This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have Scott Tompkins, Senior Vice President of Digital Turbine. Scott, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. So as of today, there are over 2 million apps on the Google Play Store and around 1.8 million on the iOS App Store. So roughly speaking, about 4 million apps combined. It is an ocean of apps and so getting your app noticed and building its user base are huge challenges for many indie developers as well as some big brands. And of course, no matter how good your app is, if people can't find it, all your efforts are wasted. Since 2009, when Apple pioneered the first app store for mobile apps, it's been a challenge for many developers to get their apps noticed and connect them with their users. But let's not forget, many mobile apps are just another digital product on the market. Like any digital product, there's no way all vendors can get equal amount of people's attention. So today we have Scott to walk us through the ways how to get your app noticed this year, what you should do, what tools to use, and so on. But before doing all that, Scott, please tell the listeners about yourself. Yep. So, uh, I've been with Digital Turbine now, well, the same company now for eight years. Uh, originally started off as the first salesperson into a company called Appia. We were one of the very first uh, mobile ad networks driving app downloads in the ecosystem back in 2012. 2015, uh, Digital Turbine came and acquired us, which put us in a really unique spot where we've got direct-to-device inventory through our carrier and OEM partners. And so it's been a, a real fun run. I've gotten to see a lot happen in the industry. I've seen a lot of changes. The good news about what I do is I get to talk to people all day long about what's working for them and what's not, which puts me in a real unique spot. So speaking of what's working and what's not, what challenges do you see for app developers, both indie and enterprise, in terms of visibility of their apps? Yeah, I think that the same problem applies to both indies and to the big app developers. And ultimately, the main goal they are trying to solve is, how do I get my app onto someone's phone? And so there's a number of ways to do it. What we do know that doesn't necessarily work is simply putting an app into the app stores and hoping somebody is going to be able to find them because uh, the app stores are are very cluttered. Um, There's a lot of apps in individual categories. Um, And so, you know, being able to kind of cross your fingers and hope that, you know, someone goes into the app store and finds what you have to offer, I would say, uh, are pretty slim to none. And so the challenges that are faced are, you know, how do I go about getting people to find them? And some app developers are lucky, may get featured. Some app developers uh, are lucky and all of a sudden they get a a big viral burst. You look at like Pokemon Go. That's probably the biggest example of that. But if you're your, your general, you know, app developer, you know, ultimately you need to put some creative campaigns and, and most likely uh, some marketing budget behind it to really get your app noticed. 
Do you think the reason why people have such many issues with, uh, you know, getting their app not is because they're just lack of marketing skills? They're good coders, good designers, but when it comes to marketing, they're just uh, not up to task. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are naive to what it takes. Being in a spot I'm at, I have people come up to me all the time and say, I've got this great app idea. You know, and I'm going to build this app and it's going to it's going to take off. And my first response to him is like, you know, building the app is just a small piece to it. Getting it out there in front of people is the big piece of it. And that's where the real challenge is, you know, and it's sometimes it's hard to compete if you're a smaller tier guy with the likes of like a King.com or an Expedia or somebody. And I mean, these are guys that are dumping okay. tens of millions of dollars just to drive people to their applications. And if you're a smaller application, you've got to be creative in ways to compete with that because you obviously don't have the budgets. And so, you know, I think it takes a, a lot of creativity. And the good news is, you know, you've got a, a lot of different platforms of, of where you can try to promote your applications. You know, I've seen people do amazing things uh, without spending a dollar through Instagram, TikTok, you know, Facebook, et cetera. But I think uh, those are, are a very small percentage of it. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge people have is, you know, once they do get somebody to download the app is making sure they've got a quality product that keeps the, the, the user there inside of it. Right. So if you definitely cannot outspend these big folks, you have to outsmart them. All right. Exactly. So I know there is a so-called prime real estate concept there, which we can actually apply to app marketing. So for the benefit of the audience, can you explain what is it? And uh, yes. what would be a prime real estate uh, equivalent for mobile apps? Yeah. So this is where knowing what other people are, are doing out there, there, there's a lot, a lot of different options. And, you know, specifically some that, that Digital Turbine is able to provide. But I mean, you've got your, your typical, hey, let's buy Facebook banner ads. Let's work with Google. Um, you know, if you're a gaming guy, you're working with some of the guys out there like Cross Install who do playable ad units to give the user a taste. Um, I think that the biggest thing is finding where there's a lot of traffic for your target audience, um, you know, and, and that's where some of those guys are great. And then additionally, you know, one thing that, that Digital Turbine specifically is able to do and where we help our clients out significantly is, you know, solving the problem that I brought up at the very start of the call is how do I get my app onto a device for, for a user to discover? Um, and so what we're able to do and, and what, you know, I kind of call the, the most prime real estate there is, is, you know, on device real estate. So that when a consumer mm -hmm. opens up a brand new device, your application's sitting there ready for the consumer to engage with it. And that's kind of where, you know, Digital Turbine's in a very unique spot is, you know, we work with the biggest OEMs and carriers around the globe. And so like in the in the U.S., we work with guys like AT&T, Verizon, TrackPhone. And, you know, our technology sits on about 75 percent of all Android devices sold daily in the U.S. And what I'm able to do is take our advertisers, guys like Expedia and King, mm -hmm. uh, and get their app onto that device for when a user unpackages it for the very first time, meaning you walk into a Verizon store and you buy an S20 on that phone is going to be guys like eBay, Candy Crush, Hotels.com, you know, Allstate Insurance. And those are apps that we're placing on those devices for our clients 
so that the users, when they turn on their new phone, they're able to discover new applications they probably would have never discovered uh, previously. And so it's the APK sitting on the home screen on the device, ready to be clicked and ready to be opened. And, uh, you know, that's what I would call prime real estate. You know, it, not only is it bring in a, a performance factor, but it also brings in a big branding factor. And that is, you know, what what's better for somebody like StubHub? Is it better for StubHub to do a, a banner on top of a taxi cab driving around San Francisco, hoping that somebody sees that and says, yeah. oh, man, I need tickets to the next, you know, Monday night football game? Mm -hmm. Or is it better for StubHub to get their app onto the phone so that when somebody realizes the next Monday night football game is coming to their city, that they remember, hey, I've already got StubHub on my device. That's where I'm mm -hmm. going to buy my tickets. Exactly. So as prime as it gets, the phone itself, what, what can beat that? Now, I know retention is a big issue for developers, like apps are being used for a certain period of time, and then people basically stop using them. They just drop off. Can you compare just, you know, on the top of your head without any numbers, just conceptually, can you see better retention for this concept of pre-installed apps compared to the, you know, the struggle of regular folks who are trying to get new the new downloads, new users, and then they do whatever it takes to retain these people? Yeah, I don't know if necessarily I would say our inventory leads to higher retention. What I would say is it definitely leads to higher exploration. I uh -huh. think the biggest concept that people miss is updating their apps to keep consumers engaged. And that's a big fall off. You know, I think a, a lot of marketers out there really kind of put blame on where they are trying to drive downloads and, and, and hold those inventory sources responsible for retention. And, and the reality is that's not what it is. You've got to have a good product that people want to engage with, is easy to use, and most importantly, kind of speaks to the masses in terms of usage, you know? And so, like, uh, I think that's probably the biggest factor that kind of comes into play. And naturally, you know, we are a very much of an ADD society and we lose interest in things quickly. And so, like, you know, I may play Candy Crush for a month straight and then move on to, you know, another game and, and engage with that. And If Candy Crush doesn't do something to either improve on the application and get me back engaged, you know, they're ultimately going to lose me to someone else. And so I think the most important thing is you constantly have to be iterating on your product that just simply releasing something and, and walking away too often. People are confused on why that isn't successful. And so bringing in new features, doing new things and, and keeping people engaged is really, really key. Right. So you have to be realistic and take it as a given that some people will walk away no matter what, because it's just life. <laughs> Things happen. They, they're not obligated to keep your apps, your app on your phone all the time and keep using it. Things are changing in their life. They may not need your app anymore, but if you're innovative, you know why exactly your app exists and what it does for people and what new features that you can bring. If you, keep up with the hardware updates from Apple or um, Samsung or other hardware vendor. And you know how engaged these people uh, through the time uh, you, you can get your user base core with you. But just take as a given that people will be walking away from your app no matter what. It's just life. So yeah. th there's no way you can blame them. <laughs> no, you can't. You know, like uh, if you're an Expedia, people don't travel every week of the year. 
people travel two to three weeks in a year. And so like if somebody's booking one to two trips a year, in my opinion, that's a lot of success. And what you need to do as Expedia is make sure that, hey, you're the one people are going to go to. They're a prime example of why a client of who our inventory works really well with, you know, like uh, and people travel once or twice a year. Would you rather be Expedia on the device for when the person looks to travel or would you rather take the risk of not being there and having that consumer go to the Play Store where there's 20 to 30 competitors that do exactly the same thing that you Expedia do and take the risk that they're going to pick you out of that 20 to 30. And that's just not realistic. And so, you know, what we try to guide our clientele, our clientele to is, hey, this is perfect real estate for you. You're going to be there for that one to two bookings that happen, but you need to make sure you're engaging with the consumer, whether it's sending push notifications yourself, sending push notifications through our platform, you know, letting the consumer know that your presence exists, whether it's through discounts or trip ideas, travel ideas, et cetera, you've got to keep them engaged. And that's where a big kind of branding reminder campaign needs to come and play. And we see it and we've seen it for years and decades through television, radio, billboards on the side of the road is you've got to make sure you're keeping your name in front of people. And that's where I think a lot of the mobile marketers these days can take a lot of tips from traditional marketing and that branding is a giant factor in keeping people knowing who you are and what you do. And I think that mobile marketers, for the most part, have been way too performance-driven that mm -hmm. they have forgotten about the just uh, – Keep people knowing who you are. And, you know, you look at, 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 you know, typical branding that goes on Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and, you know, they both kind of taste the same. But it's a matter of who's done a better branding job in, in letting people know who they are when it comes time to, to buy a product. Exactly. Speaking of traveling, do you see to get Nadi's challenge is not the same in different countries or it's the same across the board, like Asia, Europe? In South America? Yeah, I think uh, the fundamental steps are all the same. I think some people have unrealistic ideas of, of what regions uh, may be growing over others. But I also think that you've got to look at what the culture of the region is. U.S., we're, we're pretty app heavy. But I would say you look in regions like APAC, like, you know, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, where they're extremely app heavy consumers. You know, and you see a lot of the emerging markets like Brazil, India, et cetera, where app usage is becoming much more of a day-to-day -day life because simply, you know, cell phone usage is becoming heavier. And so I think that you can expect you can expect success everywhere by following the fundamental steps of, you know, marketing, you know, getting people to know your brand, getting your product in front of people for them to discover. But I think people really need to look at what the culture is and what they need and what problems you're solving for them, whether it's just pure entertainment in a game or if it's, you know, you're trying to drive people to a, a retail store or something like that. You, it really needs to have an understanding of what the consumers in those regions are looking for. And I think that's a, a big thing people miss is you need to market differently in different regions, but still follow the fundamental steps. Right. So you definitely should go beyond just uh, localizing your app, copy, translating the description, the interface, and that's it. No, you have to know the culture of the country, uh, read the reports uh, that tells about the 
things like how much time do people spend for apps in these countries? What kind of apps are popular? Are uh, are they preferred to, you know, short video form as the consumption format or they're um, not engaged with the video as a format at all? Just uh, make sure you understand how the market work in that specific country before we set up very much expectations. So. Yeah, very much so. And like a, a couple of key examples, you look at things like WeChat. Um, mm -hmm. And WhatsApp, you know, like uh, internationally, they're huge, um, you know, and, and a lot of it pertains to, you know, the, the cell phone, the cellular providers in those regions still charge for text messages, um, you know. And so something like WhatsApp or, or WeChat is a lot easier for them to use internationally because it, the data plans are cheaper. Whereas in the U.S., you know, every everything's unlimited data and free text messaging. So like apps like that really don't work here in the States. And I think VPNs are a very pro popular mobile app that have been developed over the last couple of years. And, you know, everybody wants to see success in the U.S. But man, I can walk outside and ask people uh, if they would ever use a VPN mobile app. And the majority would probably ask me what a VPN is, but that said, you get internationally and everybody knows what it is and they all use them. And so that that's a big piece of just understanding your market. Yeah, exactly. People want to get some products that are only available in States or UK or any specific country. And they go with VPN to <laughs> bypass that limitation. So they definitely know what it is. Yep. All right. So let's talk about tools. What are the solutions, the tools you would suggest app brands and developers to overcome this challenge to get noticed? Yep. I think obviously understanding the ROI that you're bringing in from your ad spend scheme. And that's where, you know, the mobile measurement partners, guys like, you know, Apps Flyer, Adjust, uh, Branch, Kachava come into play. The great thing is mobile is measurable and, and understanding where the dollars that you're spending and what the return on ad spend is key. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, app store optimization tools out there that are very key. And I think that look, the, the biggest factor is just it can't all come down to science. You know, there needs to be a case factor into it and, and understanding what you're doing um, and what you're trying. And so, like, common sense is big. There. And so, like, I think the biggest thing is there's a number of, of platforms out there, you know, Facebook, Google, Ad Colony, guys like that, that are able to provide a lot of insight to what consumers are doing with you in relation to your marketing spends. And I think it's key that you're not overlooking anything, that you're really kind of bringing in a whole suite and a holistic view into what you're actually doing and accomplishing. Yeah, holistic approach is always the, the great idea, like uh, in every uh, area of your life. That's that's totally true. Yeah. yeah, and I think people are too exact. I kind of touch on that a little bit further. And like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it comes to, hey, I'm spending money in five places and Facebook drove this app install. And, you know, AdPony drove this app install. And Digital Turbine did this preload that drove this install. And what people don't take into account is the multi-touch value that is there. You know, if Facebook showed somebody something, they then had it pre-installed on their phone. And so when a TV ad popped up, they said, oh, I've got that app on my phone already. They're not taking that multi-touch approach. You know, they're simply looking at it through, you know, one lens very directly. And that's where the traditional brand marketing really comes into play. And I think the mobile marketers kind of need to touch it to get a better grasp on is, you know, understanding that Attribution comes from multiple sources. And so, you know, you can't look at return on ad spend direct at all times. You've got to have that holistic approach to it. All right. Now I have a few quick questions for you, kind of a rapid thought questions. Are you iOS or Android person? 
that's a, a convoluted question I don't like to answer because uh, I am an iOS user, but all of my business is Android driven. And I see myself converting very, very soon simply because Android products are a lot better and better than they were. And Android market share is ginormous. Yeah, and so uh, a lot of new phones coming out with a lot of neat things and they all cost a lot of money. But uh, I've definitely been a, a pretty loyal iPhone user since uh, inception, but uh, definitely see myself kind of swaying over to the Android world sooner than later. What was your first bubble phone? So I, I thought about this. Somebody asked me this the other day. I'm pretty sure it was either like a Nokia brick phone or it was one of the old school Motorola razors. I still have one of each sitting in a drawer that I've had for 20 years, but I don't remember which one came first. I do know Motorola just released a new razor that kind of brings back the nostalgia for me. And that may be the first phone I go and grab. Yeah, definitely. Well, what is your most favorite app and why? You know, that's a, a good question. I use a variety of them. I'm a weather guy. I like to know what the weather is going to be like everywhere I'm about to travel to and what the weather is going to be like in places where I'm currently located. And I probably use my weather app the most. Behind that, I'd probably say Instagram. You know, I like seeing what family and friends are up to. So I would probably say, you know, it's a mix between weather and Instagram. I see. What is the most overrated app? Do you think uh, kind of an app that has a huge amount of hype, but to be honest, it just doesn't deserve it? That is a good question. I would say social media apps tend to lose kind of their flavor. Um, you look Facebook's usage yeah. by me and those around me isn't as much as you used to be, you know, and there's always going to be something new kind of taken off. You look at Instagram was big for a long time and now TikTok has hit the younger generation and it's kind of taken over. Um, but, you know, I think I'm not sure I would call them overrated, but I think that you, you'll see a lot of change in the fluctuation of usage between social media apps as new things come out. And that's where the whole conversation earlier about making sure your product is bringing in new features, doing new things to keep uh, the consumer engaged is key. What new app technologies are you most excited about? You know, I would say it's been interesting to see VR come into applications. You know, we'll kind of see where that goes. The whole virtual reality thought process never took off like we all thought it was going to. Like, I remember being a video gamer in the early 90s, and man, VR is right around the corner. And, you know, I still it's get still to around the corner. Really, yeah, it's still there. I've yet to ever put a real VR headset on this. But, you know, I know there's a lot of work going into applications around VR. You know, I think what's really neat is you're starting to see some of the gaming guys build games that are cross-platform, meaning you've got Android and iOS, iOS users intermingling inside of games. You know, I would say that that's kind of where uh, I think things are going. That said, like, uh, I'm always surprised by something new coming out. So uh, I probably don't know what the next biggest thing is going to be or the next coolest thing. All I know is there's a bunch of smart people out there that are developing a lot of cool shit. <laughs> That's for sure. And now before I let you go, how people can get in touch with you and get more information about what you do. Yeah. So, you know, you can always reach me on Scott at digitalturbine.com. I mean, to kind of give you guys just a quick recap of what it is, what we do. So we work with OEMs and carriers around the globe. You know, I kind of talked about what we do in the U.S., but international is really where we're growing. So we work directly with guys like Samsung in over 100 regions, work with American Mobile, you know, and a number of carriers throughout Europe and APAC. And what we really strive for is solving that problem of how do I get my app onto a phone for users to discover? 
And so we're doing that on a global basis at about 400 to 500,000 newly sold devices a day. And so, yeah, we'd love to help out your audience. And as I said, uh, Scott at digitalturbine.com, you can find me at LinkedIn. You can go to our website, digitalturbine.com. And we're here to help you guys. Like our, our big focus is uh, we want to provide a value to our customers and, and, you know, help them get their apps some more exposure. Awesome. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Scott. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. And that was Scott Tompkins, Senior Vice President at Digital Turbine. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes were also available on thebusinessofapps.com. Till the next time, bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.